This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to some sort of the Cooler Jets podcast. We have Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, last week we gave our offensive stat predictions. This week we're taking on the defense. And before last week's podcast, you said to me you were more confident in the offense than the defense, which isn't something I think I've heard any Jets fans say in the last last decade. But I guess when you add Aaron Rodgers, there's more reason to be confident. But this Robert Sala group went from last in defensive DVOA in 2021 to top five. What makes you kind of hesitant um, to think they'll continue that ascension in, in 2023? Well, look, I mean, I'm definitely still very optimistic about the Jets' defense. Don't get me wrong, but I think what scares me a little bit is that there is some regression potential with this defense, specifically because of injuries. Um, because if you look at last year's unit and the health that they were lucky enough to be able to have throughout the season, it was very, very good. I mean – Pretty much no starter on the team missed more than a game or two. And for the most part, it, it's almost like they had the same lineup out there every single game. It was it was the inverse of the offense, which obviously had many, many devastating injuries, specifically with Hall and Elijah Bear Tucker. I mean, those two guys themselves missed more games combined than the entire defensive starting lineup. So they were very lucky with the injuries last year, and I think that helped them play to the peak of their potential. And just looking at that, if it normalizes a little bit this year, then, you know, that could force them to drop. It already has. Bit. But at the same time, yeah, yeah, that's already <laughs> happened with Chuck Clark. So there we go. And they were able to replace him with Amos, which is a nice move to, I think, um, lessen the impact of that a little bit. But, you know, it's, you know, it's just a law of averages. It tends to average out eventually. We're still waiting for that to happen on offense because we've been saying that every single year and then they continue to be injury prone offensively, but maybe this is the year we finally get good offensive health, but the defense, it was just very healthy last year. So that's something that worries me, but you know, as, as long as they can, you know, stay healthy. And even if they do deal with a few injuries, there's still plenty of talent to where the floor is high. I'd like, I don't, I don't see a scenario where it's a bad defense or even an average defense. I think it should at the least be above average. It's just that, you know, can they be as good as they were last year? It's going to require for that to happen. It's going to require the same amount of, injury luck that they had last year or balancing that out with major improvement in other areas, which can happen, which we'll discuss. And we do have them in our predictions improving in a, in a few key areas, but, uh, but yeah, they're, I'm not sure they're going to be quite as good, but I, I don't think the drop off is going to be anything significant. Yeah. The injury regression is really the, you know, the, the main thing that is concerning the, you know, the, the counter argument would be that the jets defense was so good last year with having maybe the worst turnover luck, in the entire right. NFL, which is a good indicator of, of a defense that 
doesn't rely heavily on turnovers, which can be, let's be honest, kind of random. It just a lot of times depends how the ball bounces. Um, so I do expect to see you know an uptick in turnovers. They've also kept their defensive line together and brought in a first-round rookie in Will McDonald, who should be able to make some sort of impact, at least in terms of rushing the passer this year. So I think you know their sack potential is pretty good. The other thing to keep in mind is that the offense should be significantly better than it was last year. And so now right. you're going to be your defense can be put in positions where they they might be playing with the lead, going up against an offense who's trying to throw the ball, and that increases the likelihood of of sacks and turnovers. It might also you know decrease their total yardage they allow because teams are still going to be you know hopefully attacking in the in the second half, trying to 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 make up for a, a lead that the Jets might have. So there are plenty of, of reasons to buy into what this defense is offering, but I agree with you. You know, the injury regression is there, and really all it takes is, you know, I, I won't even go into specific scenarios, but one major injury, and then you you have some legitimate weaknesses uh, on this defense. How do you feel about the, the overall depth? You mentioned the AMO signing. I mean, maybe you can dive into that a little bit in terms of what he brings. But in terms of the depth, that specifically corner and defensive tackle, which, you know, are – Jets have stars at both those positions, but if those guys were to go down, how do you feel about that that depth um, and how the Jets defense could respond to it? Yeah, and, and that's the big question mark because last year it wasn't tested that much. I mean, you look at the starting cornerback trio, no games missed between the three of them. The safeties, uh, I think Joyner missed, uh, he missed a couple games at the end, but he had 14. Jordan Whitehead played every game. Linebacker, Mosley every game. Quincy, couple missed in the beginning but he ended up playing 15 so you really didn't have to test the depth that much Quinn so missed a few this year yeah Quinnen did miss a couple and you did feel it when he was out there uh, he missed the one game against Detroit and he missed most of the uh the game before that against Buffalo and you felt it when he was out so uh so the depth will be tested and I think I'm reasonably confident as far as depth goes uh because you always have to temper your expectations no one has amazing backups in the league who are going to match the production of the starters, but uh, you hope the drop off can be as little as possible. And in some positions, I think I'm more okay with the depth than others. I think cornerback, you know, Eccles, as far as backups go, I think is a good guy, really good guy to have uh, at safety. Even the starting talent is questionable, but you know, with Amos Adams and Whitehead, um, maybe it's okay, but the depth it is. I'm going to say, I would say it's concerning. Um, there's potential. I, there's potential to death, is what I would say, but it's just unproven. So it could be good if tested. Because it was like our mentality in entering 2020, where we're like, these guys could be good. They could also be really bad. We have no idea. Right. Exactly. Really we, it's just it's just largely unknown. So um, generally not a good thing. Mark. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I guess you know the one thing um, with the depth on this team is the defensive line should be able to survive. Um, injuries i would say in terms of at least rushing the pass now the run defense right and the defensive line I, that that's where the depth is yeah. strong because like it's compared to other defensive lines maybe it's not as top heavy because you've quinnon and then beyond that you know a lot of potential really good players but no other like you know one two punch of all pro type players but what they do have is the ability to go seven eight nine guys deep with really solid players and not, no one else in the league can really match that so the defensive line i think is set specifically on the edge, interior, right. maybe a little more questionable. And, that, and that's the most important. They're definitely set to handle injuries. Yeah. Other positions, a little more questionable. And that's the most important part of this this defense. Because you look at Sala in 2020, when that Niners defense lost a ton of talent, and they were still Robert Sala was still able to have them competing at a competitive level. And I think it really just comes down to, can they, can they get pressure with four? And if they can do that, I think they can survive having to play young guys 
at linebacker and at corner and safety. I mean, I think linebacker for me is kind of, we, you know, I, I specifically mentioned defensive tackle and corner because that's where the Jets' stars are. But, you know, to lose a guy like Mosley, if he were to go down, then you're left at, at linebacker, especially if the Jets don't resign Quan Alexander. Your linebackers are Quincy Williams and, and Jamie and Sherwood, and then maybe they're playing a little bit of Zayer Barnes or Hamza Nazaldine. And, you know, Sala and Ulbrich have, I guess, proven that they can be competitive with athletes there. I mean, how much of, of 2021 do you think was uh, – cause, sorry, because after the season we were we were talking about, you know, is this just a defense that you need good players to survive? Um, how much of their failures in 2021 was just a lack of talent versus trying to install a system with young players? Do you know what I mean? Like if they lose guys, yeah. are you still confident that they can – succeed because it's year three with Sal and Ulbrich they, they'll be able to get pressure with their front four or are you worried because we really saw the difference when this defense is as good as the players are in it that's a really good point because I remember from the beginning kind of looking at it in that way and you and I both talked about it throughout 2021 when they were struggling that you know yes there were growing pains and I think it does help that the, uh, a lot of these players have gained experience in the scheme playing together that should help a little bit for sure but we were also talking about that whole 2021 season that they just don't have the talent yet and then last year they did have it Carl Lawson came back Quinnen was healthy and took the leap they added a lot of depth to that defensive line corner was much better um, so it was really the talent I think more than anything that helped them because how many of those guys weren't even with the team the previous year sauce DJ Reed um, Carl Lawson obviously didn't play the previous year uh, so the additions really helped more than anything. So uh, that is a big question because it's it's a scheme that's predicated upon its simplicity. And you hear players talk about it all the time when they get interviewed uh, about asking, or when they get interviewed about what it's like to play in this defense and under Sal and Ulbrich, one thing that they very commonly say is that, you know, it lets them just go play football and, you know, not have to think too much. It's, you know, there's not a lot of zone blitzing with like defensive linemen dropping. It's not a lot of blitzing in general. Um, you know, obviously in the back end, all schemes have, you know, different intricacies to them, you know, with uh, zone matching and coverage matching, all that stuff. It's always going to be detailed back there. But for the most part, like, I think it's one of the simpler defenses and that helps guys just go play. And then when you're playing that way, it emphasizes the talent because the coaching isn't really trying to do anything unique to, you know, win with X's and O's. Like, like I think the uh, Rex Ryan Jets defenses were the opposite of this. In a lot of ways, that defense wasn't quite as talented as, you know, this current Jets defense is. They obviously had plenty of talent, but, you know, they didn't have a premier, you know, pass rusher like Quinn and Williams or even to like a Carl Lawson or Bryce Huff level. But they still hey, got a hey, ton hey, of sacks. Calvin, and made Calvin Pace and Brian Thomas. Calvin, Come on now. No. no. <laughs> they brought in Jason Taylor. <laughs> With Sean Jason Ellis, Taylor, right in his prime. Um, so, Sean Ellis is pretty. Uh, they good. had guys. Sean Ellis is pretty. Yeah, good. he he was he was good in his prime as well. But uh, you know, they had guys, but it's like they were able to outperform the talent because right. the blitzing was so effective. Like the coaching was creative, and they won in that way. But this scheme is less about we're going to try to out scheme you and trick you, and more like we're going to let our guys play the best football they can play because they're just going to get to pin their ears well, back and go use their athletic tools, use their talent. That's what the scheme is based on. And in general, it's the and complete inverse. It has, they're the they're, right. the defense are the complete inverse of each other too, because Rex believed, you know, like especially having corners like Revis and Cromartie, it's like, we're going to rush eight and leave our corners on an island. And the opposite approach with Solo, where it's like, we're going to rush four 
and play coverage because you know we think we can right. win with four. And so it's you know winning with your corners versus winning with your your defensive line. So yeah, they are completely different defenses. But I get what you're saying in terms of um, the simplicity of Salah's defense and putting it uh, putting the pressure on the players' backs rather than scheming with X's and O's. Right, and, and that's why you know first year wasn't good because you had Shaq Lawson and whoever. Who was else the player was on you just that year? Michael asked me uh, to guess all the interceptions from 2021. Who was the uh, the one I couldn't get? The what's his name again? Well, we knew uh, Eccles and Ashton Davis yeah. tied for the lead with two. Shaq Lawson and John Franklin Myers had yeah. one each. And the only other one all season was Sherrod Neesman yeah, I mean... <laughs> in a blowout against the Bills. So just the talent wasn't there. And then last year they got the talent. They are really good. And you look at, you know, back when, um, you know, Salah was with Seattle in the 49ers. It was talent dependent there too. Seattle was really good when they had, when they were stacked and they had the Legion of Boom. And then, you know, he goes to San Francisco and it's rough for a few years while they stack up the talent. But then once you have Nick Bosa, you bring in Richard Sherman, uh, Buckner, everyone they had there, Armstead, then they start to play well because they have the talent. So I think it takes premium talent and makes it even better than it might be in other schemes where, you know, say they do play in Rex's defense. I don't think they can be as dominant because they did do more two gapping, worry about defending the run. There's more blitzing going on. So that kind of emphasizes like the one-on-one talent so this game i think makes the stars even better but it's just if you don't have that then it gets even more emphasized how little talent you have so what i think the point of this game is whatever talent you have that's going to get emphasized because the coaching isn't going to do anything overly complex to work around it so all that is a very you know very long way of saying that i think the talent is extremely important so if the injuries come, I think it will be a problem. Before we get into the you know specific stat predictions, let's just go over the general strengths and weaknesses with this unit. Let's start with the weaknesses. If you're, let's say you're Buffalo week one, how are you trying to attack this Jets defense? I know we, we talk about the talent on papers there, but what holes do you see in this defense and schematically how can teams uh, exploit what the Jets do? Well, Buffalo is interesting because the Jets – handled them really well last year they that they had their two worst offensive games of the year against the jets josh allen had two really bad games against the jets uh so i'm interested to see what they kind of do to uh change their approach based off last year but i do think despite the bill struggling against the jets they did kind of expose one hole in this defense and that's the quarterback runs because allen i mean that was all the offense he had in the first game i mean he was running wild that whole first half he had two rushing touchdowns one of them was that uh, fourth down, 30-plus yard run, whatever it was. So I think there's opportunity. We saw last year quarterbacks have opportunities to run against this team. Uh, and, and then just the run game in general. Uh, they they did finish 10th in rush defense DVOA, so they're pretty solid. But definitely where the, Jet, where the Jets defense struggled was when teams were able to start running the ball on them and punish them for playing so aggressive defensively with you know power runs draws things like that where you could punish the defensive line for attacking so aggressively and use the space they vacate to get the run game going so uh, I think you've got to start with running the ball it helps to have a mobile quarterback so uh, and the, the Jets play some good mobile quarterbacks this year you know obviously Josh Allen twice but Jalen Hurts on the schedule um, Mahomes obviously is not much of a runner himself but very much a mover so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see with some of these mobile quarterbacks on the schedule how they'll be able to handle it. 
Yeah, the play that, that's coming to mind for me is when they played Seattle and Kenneth Walker had that huge run right at the start of the game, and it was Jordan White having Quincy Williams getting over-aggressive and missing the tackle. And that was kind of a theme. I mean, look, they, the Jets defense had a good year, but when you think about how, I don't want to say devastating, but how much the Clark Chuck Clark injury can hurt this team, it's that you're putting a lot more emphasis on a guy like Jordan Whitehead who struggled last year. How what, What's your... How, what's your level of optimism when it comes to, to Whitehead? Because we don't really talk about him too much, but he's a guy that this Jets coaching staff seems to really be high on, that they talked a lot about when they brought him in, how high they were on him. But then he had an up-and-down year with with plenty of downs, and mostly that came with you know over-aggressive play in the run game. Uh, I would say there are reasons to be optimistic because I feel like he definitely played worse in his first year with the Jets than he did with the Buccaneers, so... There is that room for him getting back to the mean. But at the same time, I think there just are going to be limitations with him no matter what. He is He's the type of player that he is. He's going to play aggressively. He's going to look for those enormous hits. He's going to drop his shoulder and try to you know, take guys' heads off. And sometimes he's going to hit, and it's going to look really cool. But there's also going to be a lot of whiffs, like that play you mentioned against the Seahawks, where Whitehead was definitely a big part of allowing that to happen. So it's... there there's just that natural limitation to his game. And I'm, I'm just worried about, you know, what is the plan at safety? Because they don't really have a guy who's comfortable in deep coverage. Amos is, some people say he's a free safety, but he's really not. He's more of a, another guy who's more of a box player. He played the same percentage of snaps in the box as Chuck Clark did last year. Um, well, they played the same number of deep snaps. Chuck Clark was a little more versatile. He would play some edge, some slot. Um, but in terms of how often were they not in a deep role, it was the same exact percentage last year, him and Amo. So they're similar players. So that's what concerns me. Like, cause Joyner wasn't good, obviously, but he was comfortable in that deep role. Like that was his position. You knew he was going to be deep for most of the game. Whitehead would drop back with him if it was a too deep safety look, but uh, you knew the roles. Whitehead was the box guy. Joyner was deep, but now it's like, who, who's playing which role? That's what's questionable right now. Tony Adams seems like the perfect fit to do that, but we just don't know yet. Is Do they think he's ready to be a starter and handle that responsibility? So uh, that's what concerns me about safety is who's who's covering deep? How, how are we going to cover deep? What about the strengths of this, this unit? I mean, obviously, getting after the quarterback is, is what this defense is predicated on. But what else? I mean, when you look at this defense, what, what excites you? It definitely starts with the corners. Because you know they were the best cornerback trio in the league last year, in terms of you know the overall coverage numbers, they just did a very good job of locking down all year, um, and we'll see if they can maintain that because cornerback is really volatile. You know, the production can can fluctuate wildly up and down every single year because that's just the nature of a position where you can give up an eighty-yard touchdown any play, and that'll tank your numbers for the whole season. So. They were able to avoid those types of plays last year. They did a great job of it, and it's going to be key again this year, especially in the early part of the schedule with all those explosive passing offenses that they're going to have to face. So it starts with corner because I think the way that they were able to cover so effectively last year really allows the pass rush to get after and do their thing because, I mean, the defensive line is equally exciting, but they complement each other. It's the way that the coverage is able to, you know, be so effective in not just man coverage, but zone as well. I love the way that they communicated last year and passed things off. There were very few coverage busts 
you know, as, as much as the safeties struggled last year, really the whole secondary did a great job communicating. There weren't many like wide open guys that just no one was covering. It was very good communication, which is a credit to the coaching staff as well. So I think the, the corners and the way that the back end covered last year maximizes the talent that the pass rush has because it gives they gave them as much time as you could ask for to win their battles and get home and make plays. So it starts with corner for me, but obviously the defensive line is deep. It's explosive. You're going to have fresh guys out there the whole game because of how, how much depth you have allows you to just go all in with that rotation, keep guys rested. And it just makes it so much tougher on the opposing O-line every single play when you always have to block a well-rested guy. So uh, the pass defense still has an elite ceiling for sure. When you combine the depth of the pass rush with the as good of a cornerback trio as they have. All right, let's get into some of these predictions, um, starting with the D-line rotation, because you know you talk about the depth that they have there and that they'll be able to keep everybody fresh. I think the one concern I have, though, D-line rotation or not, is if Quinnen were to go down, who fills in for him? Or you know, even if he's not injured, who is filling in for Quinnen when he's not on the field? Who, who, who do you kind of see as the direct backup to Quinnen? Is it Quinton Jefferson, or do you think you know maybe JFM plays more inside? I mean, how do you see the D-line rotation working out, but specifically when it comes to replacing Quinn and Williams. Yeah, I mean, looking at Quinn specifically is probably the best example of how this defense could be hurt by a key injury. And uh, obviously any star player getting injured and leaving would be hurtful to the team. But with this particular lineup, it's going to be tough to fill in those pieces when he's out because he's pretty much the only defensive tackle on the team who you can trust both run and pass, you know, because all these guys in this rotation that they have this year are like Quentin Jefferson, pass rusher, not a run defender. Al Woods, great run defender, not a pass rusher. And then you have Clemens and JFM who can play inside as well. Clemens has beefed up, as you predicted, and he looks like he's going to be playing some more defensive tackle. How much we'll see, um, but definitely some more. Uh, But those two guys, when they play defensive tackle, they're on the smaller end. You know, Quint Clemens is is he up to two eighty five now? So enough to play D tackle, but still on the smaller end for one. So those guys aren't the most ideal run defenders either because of their lack of size. So all these guys are you know kind of one sided players. So without Quinnen, it really becomes difficult to find find ways to put a unit on the field where there's not some weakness. There's always going to be always going to be something. So. That's the difficult part, but they would just have to do their best to make sure to play to the situations, have pass guys out there for pass situations and run guys out there for run situations. Yeah, I mean, I really do like the two guys they brought in for that reason because it seems like they have defined roles in terms of Al Woods as your run stuffer and Quentin Jefferson as, as your pass rusher. Beyond that, I mean, like you said, I mean, Clemens and JFM give the Jets a lot of versatility, and I do think they're going to play – I'm hesitant to say most of their reps, but at least half their reps inside just because of all the depth that the Jets have um, at edge. And then you also got Solomon Thomas, I guess, inside if he makes the roster. But when you look at the edge group, how do you see them balancing those snaps out? You did an article for Jets X Factor a few weeks ago on this. And, you know, you've done one, I think, every year that Salah's been in trying to predict it because this rotation method has been something that has followed him. But how do you see the Jets trying to get all these guys in the field? You have a guy on Bryce Huff who's coming off a year where he played ex- exceptionally well in a very small sample size. Who's in a contract year, so he's a guy you you know going to want to play and 
I think is going to have a big year because of that that contract emphasis. You got Will McDonald, a first round rookie, who you know it's not like Jermaine Johnson played too much as a rookie last year, so it's not like they they might not feel the pressure to get McDonald on the field as much early on because they have so much uh, depth. But you know, on, on the flip side of that, Jermaine Johnson needs to probably play more to justify trading up for him in the first round, and he's a guy who definitely had success in the run defense, had some moments as a pass rusher, but you're hoping that he can kind of make that second year jump. Then you got Carl Lawson, who's, you know, second year removed from that Achilles injury. He was somebody who we were all so high on before that Achilles injury in training camp clearly wasn't necessarily, wasn't the same player last year, but then you hear that he, you know, had a re-injury to that Achilles in December of 2021. And so he was really, you know, maybe not even expected to be ready by the start of the season, but he was ready by the start of training camp and he had, Lost a bit of his explosiveness, I would say, but he still had, I mean, with that knowledge, he had a pretty damn good season. He seems a little bigger this year. He seems, to, you know, he's talking, he wants to hit 10 sacks. And so, and he's another guy in a contract here. So you have all these guys at edge. I think that will force guys like Clemens and JFM to play inside a lot more. But how do you see the Jets just in general balancing uh, all these guys' reps? It, it is really hard to figure it out because I did an article at Jets X Factor, as you mentioned, and I tried to, did my best to predict how they're going to distribute these snaps. And I feel pretty good about what I came up with, but definitely not a hundred percent confident because at the end of the day, there are just so many good players who deserve reps that someone out there has to play a role. That's a little bit smaller than you would probably like, because there are only so many snaps to go around. And at the end of the day, everyone can't play the number of snaps that you would like them to. So I tried my best to split it up and, on the edge, I think Jermaine Johnson is the guy who has to get a leap. If anyone is the most likely to get an increase in snaps, I think it's him because, you know, first round pick last year, you traded up for him and he showed promise throughout the year. Um, I think he's going to get that leap. So I have him leading the group, the edge rushers and snaps, but only at 45% of the snaps. And I know that sounds bold. This is where I'm kind of lacking confidence a little bit. Like, are they going to go that rotation heavy toward the number one guys playing less than half of the snaps? I could see it because I think it's the best way to get everyone on the field and make sure they're getting enough reps, but that is a little ambitious. So maybe it doesn't play out that way. And, you know, maybe JJ plays well over half the snaps and someone else has to sacrifice, or maybe he still plays a small role and Carl Lawson leads the way with over half the snaps like he did last year. So not totally sold on this one, but I'd have JJ number one at 45%. I pushed Lawson down to 43%, and that's another really? one I don't feel super confident about, but they did have the pay cut for him, and I feel like maybe a smaller role is the best way to maximize him at this point. You know, let him go full throttle every time he's out there, you know, preserve his health because, you know, he had a very healthy season last year played every single game but he has a very long extended history of injury so maybe fewer reps can be the best way to get the most out of him and then at the end of the day like if you want to get snaps for Bryce Huff if you want to get snaps for JJ and Clemens and McDonald someone has to take some snaps off so I figured a small cut for Lawson makes sense and that's not a huge drop versus where he was last year I think he was at 55 56 percent I'm pulling up the exact number now 58 He's at 58 last year, so I'm putting him down at 43, 15, 15% drop. Don't feel 100% confident about this one, but if they're going to get snaps for some of the other young guys, someone's got to take a cut. So I went with Lawson here. Um, then JFM, I 
I think he'll continue splitting snaps between edge and the inside. I have him playing 41% of the defensive snaps on the edge and 17% inside. I have Huff going up to 33%. Last year, he was under 20%, so this still is a smaller role. He doesn't have to play a ton against the run, but he'll also get plenty more reps to maximize what he does against the pass. Uh, And then McDonald, I have him at 30%. So it's about what JJ had last year. I don't think he's going to play a lot, but he will play a role, and I think he needs to get snaps to he's also 24 years old. You have to remember that. So it's not like he's a huge project or anything. And he's also played out of position last year. So he's more ready than it might seem. So I think he will get snaps, but at the same time, uh, just like with JJ last year, don't see a huge role right off the bat. So that's how I have it right now. It's pretty rotation heavy. Maybe one of these guys plays a lot less than I'm predicting, you know, in order to for someone else to play a lot more than I'm predicting. But I just kind of hedged my bets a little bit and kind of predicted they're going to go with this very rotation-heavy mentality, maximize this depth, and get everyone as many reps as they can. What's your ideal third-down defensive line look like? Yeah, that's that's it becomes even tougher this year with McDonald in the mix because last year, you know, it was, it was pretty clear. It was Q and JFM inside, Huff and Lawson on the edge. But uh, now you got McDonald in there, and he's a very intriguing third-down rusher because of his speed and just ability to get after the quarterback in that wide nine, which he'll be able to do in these third-down packages here at the Jets. So uh, thinking about that makes me think maybe Huff's snaps don't go up as as much as I don't want to see that because he was so good last year that he deserves to play more snaps. Um, Maybe McDonald steals some of those. Um, But I think we'll see more mixing and matching with those third down packages. Uh, because like you said, last year it was pretty clear that was your best four for that situation. But now you throw McDonald in there. You also throw Quentin Jefferson in there. Who's a very good interior pass rusher. And you got a few more options now. So maybe we'll see them kind of mix and match the third down looks more than they well, did last year. I mean, what, what do you well, think? That, what would, what would your be your best if it's, you know, to win the game? Which if it's like a situation like they had against Buffalo where it's like third and 15 and you're just trying to get your pass rushers out there, I mean, I think McDonald and Huff bring you the most speed. So I think I'd probably have those two guys as your edge rushers. I'd go Q inside, and this might this might be kind of surprising. I'd go Clemens. Now that's a situation where it's like end of game, third and 15, fourth and 15, and you just want speed on the field plus Quentin Williams, who's an absolute beast. If it's more of a realistic, you know, like third and eight, something like that, then I think you probably have JFM inside and maybe probably Carl out there instead of instead of McDonald. The thing that I'm curious about is last year, it really felt like they kind of stuck to their teams in terms of the rotation. Like they had the A team of Q, Rankins, JFM, and Carl, and then they bring in the B team. And, you know, that's when you'd see uh, like Solomon Thomas come in. What was the B team again? It was like Solomon Thomas, Clemens, JJ. Yeah, Thomas and Shepard. Shepard. I was trying to remember the other like JJ Clemens on the edge. When you try to think of it for this year, it's a lot harder because I think because the defensive tackles that they brought in have such defined roles in terms of it's like you want Woods out there on first down and you want Jefferson out there on third down if you're not going to have JFM or Clemens inside. Uh, It makes it a little bit harder and trying to project. Like I think the A team is pretty obvious. Like on first down week one against Buffalo, I think you're going to have Carl and JFM as your edge and, and Q and woods inside woods because of, of the run stopping ability. Right. Yeah. But you know, there, 
it depends if they want to keep, how much they want to play JFM outside. Because if they really do feel, uh, if they're questioning their depth behind Q, if you were to go down, I think JFM is the next best guy that you could put in there that, to try to replicate some of what he does at least. He's obviously not nearly the same run defender inside as, as Q is. He's a little bit smaller. But I think in terms of his pass rushing ability, he's probably their best interior presence. It's like, right. you know, yeah. do they keep JFM? It's hard, it's hard to say JFM should be on any sort of B team. Like it does seem like he's your starting edge rusher on on first downs. I don't, I don't know how I honestly see that second team. I, I wrote it out here. I was trying to say, okay, your second team is probably going to be Jefferson, but then who's your second string defensive tackle? Is it Clemens? And then your, your second string defensive tackles are, are Jefferson and Clemens. That seems a little light if you're going to face any sort of run situation. So I, I don't think they're going to be as strict when it comes to the teams. I think a lot of it is going to be situational. And it's like Woods is playing on first down and you know Jefferson is playing on, on second and third downs. And obviously you're, you're throwing in you know Clemens and JFM in there ahead of them how do you kind of see like a team and b team if they do try to stick to more of their unit uh rotation that they did last year yeah and i think the big thing is that they're gonna have to try to move away from that this year because like you said you have so many guys where you know first down think you want woods out there if it's second and long maybe quentin jefferson out there you're gonna want to play it situationally because last year you had sheldon rankins next to quentin williams and he was pretty good in both phases so you were able to kind of just play the starters together and then take them out together and put in the backups. This year, you're not going to want to do that as much. So, But if they were to do that, then I think it, it is tough. I think Thomas probably. Yeah, maybe Thomas. <laughs> Thomas is kind of the wild card in all of this because it's like he's nice way kind of not good at anything. Yeah. So, but the coaching like, staff likes him. He's, he's just there. Um in my, in my predictions, I have Clemens playing most of his snaps on the interior because that's another way to get snaps for the edge guys. Because I mean, I mean Clemens obviously had a great rookie year as a run defender, but again, like there there are only so many snaps. So if he's going to stay there, are you taking snaps from McDonald from JJ? So I, I do have him playing the majority. I've have him playing eighty percent of his snaps on the interior, and overall. I've been playing 28% of the Jets' defensive snaps as an interior lineman and 7% on the edge. So mostly inside some edge if it's like an obvious run situation. Um, so I have him in that mix. And maybe he kind of takes that role as maybe not the starter next to Quinnen, but maybe an all-purpose guy who, if it's like a more unpredictable situation, it's not obvious pass for Quinton Jefferson, obvious run for Woods. Maybe Clemens is that guy who could kind of split the difference a little bit. I mean, his size is concerning for the run game because, you know, moving inside, he will be a smaller defensive tackle. But he's just so strong, or at least he on the edge. He showed so much strength pound for pound that, you know, even as a smaller guy on the on the interior, maybe he still has the strength to be able to hold up against the run and be able to hold his ground and plug gaps and I'm confident in what he do as a pass rusher inside because now he's a smaller guy and he has a lot more quickness and explosion than guards are used to dealing with. So uh, maybe Clemens is more in that interior mix than we think, or maybe he's not in that mix at all. <laughs> it's just very interesting right well, now. There's so many options if they, for if, them to, to play around with. If they really believe in having like a team and B team, then maybe Woods isn't playing on first with the first team, if that makes sense. Because I think Woods is the right. only other guy besides Q who kind of brings any sort of imposing force in, in the run game. Like if Woods were to get injured, yeah. 
who else is behind him? Like, I mean, your your four defensive tackles or five for including, yeah, your four defensive tackles are Jefferson, who's more of a pass rusher, Clemens and JFM, who are both edge guys who are going inside, and then Solomon Thomas. So it's like if they are, I, I think they are going to have to kind of change the way that they do rotate and do it a lot more situationally. Um, do you do agree with me that that the first down look will probably be Carl Q Woods JFM, or do you see? You know, maybe they try to throw JJ in there and keep JFM on on the bench, and so they can throw him in with that second team. Do you think that they maybe Quentin Jefferson is starting alongside Q instead of Woods? How do you kind of see the um, the, the two groups specifically playing? Yeah, out? yeah, I agree that Woods is the first is going to be in that first down unit because, like you said, just no one else is imposing against the run. So I think first down is a I don't know the exact numbers, but first and ten is a situation where runs are kind of close to the highest in terms of likelihood other than, you know, like power running situation. So that's considered a run situation. You'll see base defenses out there pretty often. So I think first down, you'll want Al Woods in there on the edge. I mean, going off my predictions, like I said, I think JJ is going to take a leap in his role this year. So I think he could be in that first down package, especially because, you know, run defense is the thing you're most confident about with him. Uh, he, he was an instant stud in that phase. He's got the length. He's got the motor to chase plays down to the edge, uh, and he tackles really well. So he was already great at that. It's just the pass rushing. Can he develop that part of his game? But uh, looking at the first down package, I do think that's where JJ is going to get a lot of snaps this year, or at least the biggest increase compared to last year, and take some snaps from Lawson in that phase. Uh, so, so, yeah, I would, I would say JJ, Quinnen, Woods, and JFMs would all go with. But again, I acknowledge that I'm kind of projecting with Jermaine Johnson and maybe Lawson for now still holds that until proven otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I would say JJ is probably better in the run than Carl Lawson. So maybe making Lawson more of a situational player. I mean, still a guy who's going to play, you know, you have him playing 43% of the snaps. He's still playing second most out of all the edge guys, but using him a little bit more um situationally instead of just putting him out there every every first down to start the game. Yeah, that'll be something interesting to watch. They're definitely going to rotate, but how do they rotate? How much do they rotate these guys? How much are guys like JFM and Clemens playing inside? You know, how many how do they split the reps between McDonald and Huff because both those two guys are, you know, athletic, twitchy, explosive pass rushers, but you're probably you're sacrificing some run defense and you know that the Jets love especially on first downs having that bigger defensive end like a, a JFM or even a Clemens or JJ fills that role. So it's like the opportunities for McDonald and Huff are really going to come on third downs unless they see both those guys, especially Huff, who we didn't see at all on any other situation outside of third down. You'd imagine in his end of season meeting with Sala, maybe they they do talk about like, you know, hey, like how can you grow as a player? It would be improving your, your ability as a run defender. So maybe you see Huff's role expand in, in ways that we're not talking about, but it'll be fascinating to see how they, they balance it all. And of course, you know, there may be a wild card that makes a roster, maybe a Tanzel smarter and Isaiah Mack makes it over a, a Solomon Thomas. Um, but regardless, I feel pretty damn good about this defensive line unit and I'm excited to watch them. It won't be, you know, obviously when the jets are on offense and we, we get to sit back and watch Aaron Rodgers lead a jets offense, that's going to be amazing. But when the jets are forced to punt or when the defense is on the field, it's going to still feel like the Jets are in the aggressive attacking mode because they have these these dogs up front. How do you see the sacks? This is you know the best part of the podcast, in my opinion, the sacks and the interception predictions. Um, I guess we can go through each player and kind of see how you 
how you see them shaking out in terms of, of their number, your explanation, and that'll give us a, a number for the team. Um, up to you how you want to do this. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, should we read through and say our predictions? Because we did write player. out our yeah. predictions for every player. All right, let's start with Lawson. Um, so should we compare? Lawson, right. Lawson's been talking. He wants to hit 10. That's his goal. Do you have him at t- I do not have him hitting 10, but maybe you're more optimistic. I don't have him at 10, but I do have an improvement over last year. I have eight for Carl Lawson. I have eight and a half, so similar. I threw in some half sacks here. Um, I agree. I do think he's going to be better. He's never I don't, he's never hit 10 in his career. He's never really been as big of a sack guy as he is a pressure guy. And I do think you're going to see his overall effectiveness in terms of creating pressures definitely increase. Like I think Lawson's going to have a good year. Um, I don't think he'll be here next year, unfortunately, but I think he's going to put himself in, in a position to land a pretty good contract next year with another team. So yeah, I have eight and a half sacks for Lawson. I feel pretty good about that. What about, uh, what about Quinn? And do you see him matching what he did last year where I think he, what do you have? He had 12, 12. Yeah. He had 12 sacks. Do you see him matching that? Or do you think he regresses? Can he pass it? How do you see Quinnen going? I have 10 for Quinnen. So little step back, but staying up in that elite range. Yeah. I have him at nine and a half. I think that range, you know, eight to 12 sacks is a, is a pretty good range for Quinnen. It also depends on injuries. You know, like we said, Jets got pretty lucky last year. Um, but I think I think I think nine and a half is is a good good range for Quinnen. Uh, what about Jermaine Johnson? You see the heavy uptick in snaps for him. Do you see that you know transit uh, translating to more sacks? I think he only had two and a half last year. Yeah, I believe two and a half. Uh, yeah, I do have a leap in sacks. Still, still nothing amazing, but I have five. Uh, I have four and a half. All right, so far we're kind of in lockstep here. We're in lockstep here, yeah. All right. Uh, what about McDonald, the rookie? You know, I guess a lot of it depends on how much he plays. If he's in more of that Bryce Huff role of playing, you know, about twenty percent or less, you know, Huff last year had uh, what did he have? Three and a half. Three and a half. You yeah. know, so do, how how do you see him comparing to to Huff last year? I have three for McDonald's. So pre- all right, so you're kind of in line with what they did last year so far. Also, we should give the total sacks last year. I should pull this up. Was it forty eight? Was it 45 or 48? Let me pull it up. <laughs> Let's pull it up right now. We're, we're well-researched podcasters. We did do 45. some work. We did some work before this. It was 45. They're tied for seven. Uh, uh, so you had McDonald's. Yeah, so I, should we say our team totals yet? Or no, no, we're going through each player, go and then the we'll, we'll come out to right. a team number. Just given the... But there's just the perspective. So they had 45 last year. That was tied for seven. Okay. And so you have... Uh, but I had three for McDonald. Did you say yours for McDonald? I three and a half. Damn. Wow! All right. Well, only the halves are separated. Yeah, I know. Straight. I was trying to be a little bit. I didn't do. I didn't do any halves. Well, that's so. ridiculous. Come on now. Uh, what about JFM? He had uh, five last year for reference. I have six, seven for JFM. I think JFM has a capitalizes on uh, quite a few cleanup opportunities. Um, what about Huff? Uh, I'm I'm going five. I have eight for Bryce Huff. I think wow. the expanded role, I think he's going to play a lot on, on third downs. I think Huff is going to have a nice year and put the Jets in a tough position of, you know, do we try to move money around to try to bring this guy back or do we have to let him walk? You know, they won't be able to – the Jets are in a win-now season, so I don't think they explore trading him at the deadline, but it's tough. But I have, I have eight sacks for Bryce Huff. I think he has a really nice year. Uh, Clemens. Yeah, he's definitely uh, capable of that. I just don't feel like he's going to get the snaps – 
to get to eight. I sacks. think the percentage, his sack percentage, is going to be pretty damn high. I think. I mean, it already. That is the thing, though. Like the sacks last year, relative to the pressures he got, still like even with you know three and a half sacks, and he played less than two hundred snaps. I think like that's still great, but he was getting so many pressures that he really should have had a few more than that. So he, I, I could see that. Um, what about Clemens, who had uh, two and a half last year? I'm going two for Clemens. All right, I'm going three and a half for Clemens. So we're <laughs> we're we're starting. I'm starting to pull away at the more optimistic side of the podcast. Yeah, uh, Jefferson. And I should look up how many. Going sacks. three. I have three for Jefferson as well. How many sacks did he have last year? Um, I actually know this off the top of my head, and it is five and a half. Sounds like that delay there was me looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, five and a half. Yeah, I have him at, at three as well. So. You know, but that makes sense considering the talent on this Jets defensive line. Now, what about guys like Solomon Thomas and Al Woods, guys who aren't expected to maybe get a lot of sacks, but you can't discount them completely? I gave one to Woods. I didn't put any for Thomas. Um, should I go into some of my other? Yeah, I was going to ask you the miscellaneous. I have, I have one for Thomas and a half sack for Woods. And then any other miscellaneous in terms of linebackers, DBs, safeties, or anybody else that we uh, I put two each for Mosley and Williams, one for Michael Carr the second, one for Whitehead, one for Sherwood. Okay, and so that brings you to how many total? In total, I have fifty. So that would be an increase over of five over last year. It would have been fifth best this past season between the Patriots and the Saints and Ravens were tied. All right, nice. I have I have three for Quincy, one for Mosley, and then I have one for a corner. I couldn't decide if I was going to give it to Saucer, MC2, or Reed, but I think they'll have a corner blitz in there. And that brings me to 54. So, Jets, I, I think I think the 50 is kind of – 50 to 55 is kind of where I see this this unit uh, going. So, you know, if, if they have 54, an increase of nine sacks this year, um, you know, do you feel like I'm being too optimistic? I mean, look, the Eagles had 70 last year, so it's not like a crazy number. But 54 would put them uh, – where would that put them last year? Tied for third, yeah. Cowboys and Patriots, yeah. I think that's a no. I don't. Fair. I don't think it's overly optimistic because, it, like, the sack production last year compared to how many hits and pressures they got was it was not even. Like, they weren't great at finishing sacks right. because they led the league in quarterback hits, but they were only seventh in sacks. Yeah, and then you look at their pressure rate; that was also higher. They were third, so they are due for more sacks. And you throw in McDonald, you throw in Quentin Jefferson. You move Clemens inside. There, there's a lot cooking for the pass rush to get some more sacks. I think everything I said was fairly realistic. The two that are maybe more bold would be seven for JFM and eight for Huff. I mean, those those two are a lot higher than I think. Which I mean, look, JFM had five last year, and, and Huff, you know, had a lot of sacks considering, or I guess had a lot of pressures considering how often he played. Um, but yeah, I think because this this defense is predicated on just rushing four. They get the pressure, they get the hurries and the QB hits, but finishing sacks isn't always their, their bread and butter. But I think, like, I, I there is a reason, there is a possibility this team gets into the 60s, especially if, like, Lawson's able to hit the 10 that he's talking about. Quinnen doesn't have any sort of statistical fall off. You know, a guy like McDonald, I only gave him three sacks, but, you know, in, in a magical season, I could see him going off for, you know, five, six sacks this year. It's like JJ only gave four and a half. So there's, there's, no, I, I I was conservative with some guys. I think JFM and, and Huff, I was a little bit more optimistic. But I think overall, 54 is a pretty safe number for where they'll end up. 
Um, shall we do interceptions or did I, am I missing? Yeah. I think interceptions is the next one on the list. Um, yeah. All right. We'll get into to the, the INTs last year. Again, before we get into, I got to pull it up, but last year, the jets did not have good turnover luck. Um, do you want to guess who let without looking, who led the team in uh, interceptions? Uh, it was Joyner had, or yeah, Joyner yeah. had four, right? Uh, I don't know if he had four. I think he had three. Yeah, he had three, but he did lead the team in interceptions. Yeah. Um, the Jets had how many last year? Five. I'm looking at their individual. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Uh, they tied for nineteenth with the Lions. Yeah, I think that's definitely due to to increase, especially with teams having to throw against the Jets a lot more. And also, if you look at the QB schedule, the Jets play. You know, they they play three quarterbacks in uh in Ritter, Bryce Young. And Sam Howell, assuming all three of those guys are playing in December, who are inexperienced, and you know you can maybe count on the Jets getting some some turnovers against inexperienced quarterbacks. Also, their first two games of the season, actually their first three games of the season against Allen Prescott and Mac Jones, all three of those guys, whatever you think of them as QBs, do turn the ball over. Especially Prescott, who led the league in interceptions last year. The Jets have had Josh Allen's number, and Mac Jones. I think I think he's due to have a big turnover day against the Jets. You know, the Jets sacked him. I think how many sacks did the Jets get in the two games against Mac Jones last year combined? Well, they have five or six. Yeah, I think in they the had in both one. ones. In <laughs> both? Yeah, I think they I'm had. I'm going to pull it up right now. There's a lot, though. So those first three games, I think this defense should be able to. Six in each game. Yeah, those first three games, I think this defense should be able to feast on, on sacks and interceptions. Um, but overall, I, I do have the Jets having a pretty good year when it comes to sacks and turnovers, and we'll get into some of the regression that, that could happen, but I think you'll see an increase in both of these, um, these stats. Uh, do you want, do you want me to start? Do you want to do the same thing player by player? Or do you want to, I guess we can do the same. How many, how many interceptions do you have sauce getting? Who had two last year. He's talked a lot about that's, you know, an area he can improve on is, you know, turning some of those past defenses into interceptions. It's also possible he could fall into the, uh, the trap that Revis had where it's like, he gets too good where QBs don't really want to throw at him. And then he doesn't get as many opportunities. But Sauce had plenty of opportunities to make a play on the ball. Um, I think he could turn. He definitely could have turned some of those pass defenses into interceptions. How many did you give him uh, for 2023? Uh, I'm going three. I don't feel a huge interception season for him. I I, I don't know if he is ever going to be a huge interception guy for a few reasons. I mean, like you mentioned with Revis, once you get to the point as a corner where you're so established as – a guy who's a great defender who's going to deny the ball if it comes his way, teams will start to avoid you. And I think we'll start to see some of that going forward, so fewer opportunities. And I feel like just his style of play is he's more of a, a you know a guy who's focused on providing tight coverage than taking chances. He He's not a gambler, and I think that's a great thing because I, I don't want a guy who's like Tariq Woolen or Trevon Diggs a couple years ago where, okay, they get a bunch of interceptions, but they also give a bunch of touchdowns and penalties back because they're taking chances all the time. I, I like the way he played last year, and I don't want to see him get too aggressive in search of the interceptions. So he he could you know prove me wrong and just get six interceptions this year for sure because of the length that he has. He could turn some of those pass deflections into interceptions if he, you know, gets his head around a little quicker, maybe goes for the catch instead of the deflection. Um, so he definitely could do it, but I just think he's going to be more of like a two to thir- two to four kind of guy yeah, per year. I have more him, so than like, here's seven interceptions. Yeah, no, I have him at four. Uh, I think that was kind of my high optimum. I have him leading the team with four interceptions. I do think he has a good interception year, but I agree. He's never going to be the Tariq Wolin. Um, 
getting the six or seven interceptions every year. But I agree. I I'd, I'd like his consistency rather than trying to be a, a guy like Trayvon Diggs or something who you know can get ten or eleven interceptions, but he gets burned, um, you know, just as often. Um, and you can see how playing coverage that way creates some interceptions for other people. Yeah. Like in the Steelers game when he had the deflection that um, Michael Carter the second picked off. So it could you know the interceptions can manifest themselves in other ways when you cover the way Gardner does. Speaking of MC2, I have him as second on the team with three interceptions. How do you have MC2? I have two. Two interceptions for MC2. And then what about Reed? I have two for, for Reed. Going, I'm going three for Reed. I, I think he's, and I, I know this isn't, not that this isn't a you know, super optimistic prediction, but I'm probably a little higher on his interception upside than Gardner. Because of what I said, I think Sauce is going to be avoided a little bit and there will be more opportunities pushed Reed's way so maybe I'm a little like if you were to tell me one guy this year got four picks I'd probably bet on Reed instead of Gardner yeah I could see that because of the number of chances but uh but I'm going with three yeah and I we should say Reed had one last year is the one week one the incredible interception he had against the Ravens yeah and just that just that one play he made shows shows you the ball skills just making that even even if that was the only interception he made all year the fact that he made that play is like wow there's no pass he really can't pick off for a guy yeah. who you know doesn't have the greatest size and uh, whatever's within his range he could get. And Carter had two, but it really would be three without that JFM penalty. And yeah. He also had another one in the preseason. He is a guy who does seem to find the ball a lot, so it wouldn't surprise me if Carter leads this this team in interceptions. You know, also when you have two shutdown corners like Sauce and Reed and Rogers even said this going into the Green Bay game. You know, MC two is the guy they thought they were going to target, and then by the end of it, they realize okay, this guy's pretty pretty freaking good too. Um, I could see. I get your logic with giving Reed um, plenty of interceptions, but I could also see Carter as the guy who does lead the team. But ultimately, I have Sauce leading the team with four, MC two with three, and Reed with two. What about the safeties? This one's a little harder because it's like, who's your starting free safety? Do they try right. Amos? But it seems like Amos and Whitehead are both primarily box guys. Uh, Adams hopefully is the guy that starts at free safety. I mean, how do you? How many interceptions do you have him? Uh, getting, I've I've Adams with two. I do have him playing primarily free safety and getting two interceptions. Yeah, that is the thing that I came across trying to pre- predict the safeties. I was like, you know, who's actually going to play? So I kind of hedged my bets a little bit. I went two for Adrian Amos, one for Whitehead, one for Tony Adams. Yeah, I had two for Adams, one for Whitehead, and one for Amos. It's it's hard to predict exactly how they use him because I think when they had Clark, we were pretty high on, okay, they're going to use Clark as their third linebacker a lot and Whitehead will be the strong safety and Adams will come in as the free safety and we'll see how they'll kind of balance it. But without, with losing Clark, sounds like it was a torn ACL. Has it been confirmed? No, I don't think we got an yeah. official word on it yet. So we don't know the exact extent of the injury. It's probably safe to assume he'll be out for the year. You know, maybe we'll, we'll see when, you know, what they actually say, but maybe he's a guy who could come back on playoffs, but you know, We'll see. Um, but with Clark being out and Whitehead seeming like, I mean, I, I guess they could. Between Whitehead and Amos, who do you think, if that really was their plan going into the year, like let's, we're going to try to use Clark as a sub linebacker, who makes more sense in that role, do you think, Whitehead or Amos? Or do you think they scrap the, the whole idea and, you know, Jamie and Sherwood time? Uh, I think it's more likely they scrap it now because I think Clark was such a good fit for that idea and i think both these guys could do that in spurts but it was just more like you know clark was a really it was a very good fit for him and especially with the crowded safety room but now maybe they don't do it and, and they do seem to like sherwood you know uh, and you said that I, I think you said it in this podcast but 
either way, you've said it before. Like, I think that there are signs that like Jamie and Sherwood, we know they're confident in developing young linebackers and this is year three for him. He's already, you know, there are signs that they like him. He was starting in 2021 after Jared Davis got hurt. Um, so we'll see what happens, but uh, maybe Sherwood just steps into that Quan role and there is no creative safety at linebacker type thing going on, but uh, it could happen because just how, how that room is shaping up where you don't really have, uh, you know, a LaMarcus Joyner replacement who's going to be that free safety. Maybe it means you're giving more, you know, linebacker type snaps to one of these safeties. So I don't know if the, the safety room's very much up in the air in terms of how guys are going to be deployed and used. All right, let's go with anybody who's not a DB. You can run down the list linebackers and otherwise we were talking about in 2021, they had two defensive linemen interceptions and we never think about that. Um, so how do you see the, the rest of uh, the defense playing out when it comes to interceptions? So I got four others in here. Um, giving one to Brandon Eccles. Uh, he's shown some ball, ball skills. You know, he had two as a rookie. Um, Mosley, I'm going to give one to him. He was very close on a few last year. Um, Quincy Williams, going to give him one. And my most random prediction of all, I'm going to give one to Carl Lawson. Okay, I can see that. I'm going to go with uh, two for Mosley. I just have images of his game against Buffalo in 2019 with that pick six. Uh, I think also, you know, one of those could be a deflection. Quincy with one, I think his pass coverage got a lot better last year. That's really where you want to see him take the the biggest leap this year. And then I have one. I just wrote miscellaneous. I didn't. I didn't try to predict who it would be. I'll go Will McDonald. Kind of feel like with his long arms, he okay. might he might bat one out of the air yeah. on third down and, and catch it. I could see that being his highlight of the year. So overall, that brings me to seventeen interceptions for this team. How many did you? Have the Jets get? I have sixteen. Have 16. So we're in the, so we're the same, similar range. We see improvement. Same ballpark. And last year, I mean, the Steelers and and Four Niners were tied with first for twenty. Seventeen would have been tied for fourth with the Bills, Packers, and Eagles. I think that's you know a, a kind of a good place for them to be. Top five, right around five. Um, we didn't actually, you know, before I get to anything else, any touchdowns? We had a pick six that was robbed. We, I know we didn't predict this. Yeah, we had a pick six that was robbed. Eccles had one in uh, twenty twenty one. That's their last pick six, right? When did Eccles have? Or am I forgetting one against Miami? Remember, he was defensive rookie of the week. I cannot think you, of you completely blank. I seriously that. cannot think. I remember he was defensive defensive rookie of the week. Brandon Eccles. What pick six did Eccles? Twenty twenty one season is a fever dream. We don't remember that at all. In Miami. In Miami. You're going to have to look it up. (laughs) Brandon Eccles picks. I remember his interception of Brady. Yeah, he had that one as well. Uh, All right, so who's getting the pick six this year? Michael Carter II was supposed to have one last year. We were in the building. I was so mad about that. Everyone was. Oh, my God. um, The air just got sucked out of it. Okay, two rolls left. Okay, wait, that's that's not his pick six. Hold on. They're showing his highlights. All right, anyway, pick six this year. Oh, hold on, hold on. Okay, oh, I remember this play. Oh, damn, that was a damn good play by Eccles. Shit. Yeah, so he has – maybe he gets a random one in here this year. No, I don't think no. he gets the pick. I'm going to go MC2 gets one, and I'm going to say Sauce gets one. I'm going to say Reed gets one. Reed makes it. That'll sense. be my lone pick six prediction. All right, I have the Jets getting two touchdowns. It will be against the Falcons. Gee, the Patriots had five pick sixes last year? How many of those were on Zach Wilson? I'm just kidding. I don't think Zach has ever had a pick six outside of the one in the preseason. 
he had one in the preseason. Yeah, I don't remember against that. the Eagles. They we're both forgetting pick against six the Eagles here. right before he almost tore his ACL. Think about did he? I remember, don't remember that, that was at his all. first drive. We were all bummed, and then he came in. I remember and, him having a terrible drive. I don't. Yeah, it ended with a pick six, six and, then, and then he comes out and almost tears his ACL. You can look that up. Wow. Think about the butterfly effect of that. If he had torn his ACL, like how different? Because they probably would have traded for Jimmy G. Or maybe Mike White ends up starting more games. Do they go after Rodgers? Because they're like, you know, we have to see what the, we have in this Zach Wilson guy. They're kind of in the, the position that the Niners are in this year. Yeah, it Who almost knows? feels like it was a perfect storm of events to get Rodgers. Yeah. You know, if they were took- any worse than they were, would he come to the team? Probably not. It feels like they were just good enough to get him to want to come there. And then if they were any better and they make the playoffs, you know, give Zach Wilson another year, invest in Mike White, whoever got them there, I think might have had some favoring in the front office. So they kind of landed in the Rogers sweet spot with the way it played out. Jeez. Do I have to give my Adam Gase theory again? Yes. About how I, I think we all owe Adam Gase at least. If the Jets <laughs> do end up winning a Super Bowl, it's like I think we can put aside some of the hate for Adam Gase because he kind of started this whole thing by pulling a little finger and getting McCagnon fired and saying, you know, this Joe Douglas guy knows what he's doing and getting, and he took some balls to be like, to get hired and then be like, this organization's a toxic wasteland and you need to clear house within like three months. You know, he didn't know how to coach. He knew what he was doing the whole time. It was just so, there's no way that he could do the things that he did and it not be deliberate because it was so just unusual for a coach. He recognized recognized McCagnon was not a good – they weren't going to win anything with McCagnon, and he knew that Joe Douglas would be a good GM. That's what he deserves credit for. Everything else, whatever. But without Adam Gase, the Jets don't get Joe Douglas, which means they don't get Robert Sala, which means they don't get Aaron Rodgers, and let's say hopefully maybe they can get a Lombardi at the end of the year. Then you'd have to say it all started with with Adam Gase. So, you know. Okay, very, very, it's a very fair theory. But what what led into Adam Gase? Then we have to. That go was that was M Y J Matt had that article about the assassination of uh, yeah. Arch, what Arch what, Archduke yeah. Franz Ferdinand. Thank you. I was trying to remember it. <laughs> World War article. One. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, okay, so uh, we didn't. I know we didn't predict this because we were in preparation. We were talking about this, but I figure, you know, we're talking interceptions. We're talking sacks. Let's talk fumbles. The Jets forced eleven last year and only recovered four which I'm just looking at all these other teams, that's a crazy low rate. So we weren't we weren't insane for thinking this team just could not figure out how to fall on a fumble. That They might have the only one that's lower. Yeah. I think every other team, oh, the Steelers went three for nine. I was going to say every other team, you know, it was above 50% in recovering the fumbles that they forced. But Steelers and Jets, I think, are the only two that were lower than 50%. But um, wow. you don't have to, you know, we don't have to get into the weeds in terms of who's forcing fumbles. And I think you will see a good bit of those because I think a lot of the sacks are going to, you know, the Jets have a few guys in this defense with, you know, incredibly long arms um, that might be able to knock the ball out. You know, I think Will McDonald, Jermaine Johnson, we'll see about Clemens, JFM. So I think you're going to see more fumbles this year. We'll see. Hopefully they can recover uh, more often than not. But how do you kind of see the Jets? I didn't, I didn't, we didn't prepare for this one, so this is off the dome. How do you kind of see the Jets' fumble luck playing out this year? It, it's bound to improve, right? It, sh- it has to, right? There's <laughs> there's no way because they forced a good number of them, and a lot of them were just sitting there out in the open. I was watching the Patriots highlights earlier, the first game, and I forgot Jacob Martin forced the fumble in that game in the second half and somehow just bounces back to Mac Jones. 
uh, it, it was bad. And fumbles are, you know, you could practice it all you want. And kudos to the Jets. It looks like they're putting in the work. Tennis ball drill. I know they've been doing that tennis ball drill. So that's nice, but it really is just luck more than anything. Because it's such a random thing. Like imagine playing football and all of a sudden you have to pick something up off the ground and 20 guys are trying to pick it up. And it can bounce whichever way it wants to because of the way it's shaped. So it's just such it's a random part. thing. That's what makes it so fun. I love that the football is shaped the way it is. <laughs> it creates these ridiculous fumble scenarios. Um, but it is total luck. It's something that affects the game a lot, and it's hard to control. So they're they're due because they're going to force a good number again. We both predict over you know fifty plus sacks. So sacks are the best opportunity to create fumbles, and so I think they're, those those fumbles are going to be there. Especially Will McDonald was a really good strip sack guy in college uh, what do you have 10 strip sacks yeah. in his college career i think so he might be able to get one or two in there bryce huff has shown he could do it he had two last year um quinnon had that strip sack and trevor lawrence so they got guys who can do it jj has length i feel like clemens think, also for some maybe it's just because he yeah. hits so freaking hard but i feel like clemens will force a good bit of fumbles too yeah he definitely is just because of the i think he's a guy who could like I want to see if he's on the interior, I could see him punch out one or two from a running back. Yeah, I think that's something he could do. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I think I think it'll be up. The so they got four last year. I'm looking at the list right now. The league average was nine fumble recoveries last year. So, but let's let's split the difference. Put it down the middle. I think they can get nine. Even if so, even even they go up to league average in getting fumbles, they would have an increase of five over last year, which would be huge. All right, so it's been all positive so far. We talked about sacks, interceptions, fumbles, all increasing for this team. But at the beginning of this podcast, we did talk about how there is potential room for regression. I guess the one thing is when you make predictions for sacks and interceptions, you're not really thinking about injuries as much. Like, for example, I gave Sauce four interceptions. It's like, well, okay, if, if he gets hurt, that's obviously not happening. And, you know, same goes for any other player on this list. But, you know, I think the, the one thing you and I both definitely agree on is, all right, sacks, interceptions, those things should go up. But what's bound to come down is yards just because, you know, simply by the fact that the Jets offense should be better. So you would imagine offenses opposing offenses are still going to be throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. And so that would lead to, you know, more yards gained. But I think overall, I think this is a team that is going to give up some yards, bend but don't break and make the big explosive plays. How do you see the Jets faring in, in yards allowed? And then also, I guess we can kind of just hop into the DVOA stuff in terms of the pass rush overall defensive DVOA. We got the fun stuff out of the way. Yeah, I, I mean, I like talking about the team rankings because I, I think with the team rankings, you could consider the injuries a little bit more because, like you said, when you're talking about individuals, we're just like best case scenario for every guy or, or not best case scenario, you know, just assuming they play the whole season. This is what we think they'll do. But if you're talking about a team as a whole, you can you can assume, OK, maybe they'll have a few injuries here and there. This is what will happen with the injuries that we're assuming are going to happen. So with the with the team rankings, like I said at the beginning, I do think it's going to go down a little bit compared to last year just because of natural injury regression, but I think it'll still be a really good unit. So I have them in total yards at 12th. They're fourth last year, but I have them in at a fifth in points, and that's because I think the offense is going to help them out, put them in favorable situations, uh, keep the ball away from the other team, give them better field position. So even if they're giving up more yards, I think the points will be less because of 
the favorable uh, situations they get put in. Because you could last year, um, in terms of terms of field position, the defense had the third worst starting field position in the league. Average drive started on their own thirty, so that's basically like five yards worse than the average. Uh, if you assume like the twenty-five right. yard line is the what you're going off of, so field position will will be better. There will be fewer possessions because the offense will be controlling the ball more, and you know not punting it away. That's true. Out every time, so I think I have them twelfth in yards. And again, like you said, you're when you're a good team, there will be more like of those giveaway yards at the end of the game when you're playing prevent defense, just giving up checkdowns. So I have them with twelfth in yards, dropped from fourth last year, but fifth in points. Um, then total DVOA, which is I think the most accurate way to say just how good are you considering the opponent's down distance situation score takes everything into account. Um, I have them at eighth. So I think they will be the eighth best defense this year, which is last year. They were fourth as well. I believe What's fourth the, what, or fifth. What is the pass versus rush DVOA do you have? Uh, I have them six and pass 14th and rush. Uh, yeah. I, the run defense is where I, I'm more concerned about regression because even last year felt like 10th was I, the run defense was a big question going into last year, but uh, they exceeded expectations. But this year, you know, you look at the interior of the defensive line, it's like one Quinnen injury away yeah. from being Already a lost really Clark. big question mark. <laughs> Already lost Clark. Um, you know, safety is a question. Linebacker is uh, pretty good, but, you know, still Quincy just had the one good year. Can he back it up? Mosley's getting old, so... Yeah, the run defense concerns me a little bit, but they do still have enough. You know, with Quinnen, the guys they have an edge, JJ, JFM. Uh, you know, at corner, I think they're good against the run. They do have enough to where I think they'll still be top half, but I'm going to put them 14th here, so not too great. But pass, still at sixth um, and eighth overall. So, I mean, what do you think of those rankings? Would you change anything? No, I think you're. I think you're on the the mark here. This is a top ten defense, but one that will probably regress a little bit. You're going to have the uptick in in turnovers and sacks, but you're going to give up more yards. Um, I, I think, yeah, definitely, this is a defense that's built around the pass. But like you said, all it takes is one Quinn and Williams injury, or even one CJ Mosley injury, for this run defense to really take a big hit. And so I, I do think that is where. They'll, they'll, you'll see more of a drop-off. But I think that's fair. Six pass DVOA, 14th defense, eighth overall. I mean, I think I think you're pretty close to, to ultimately what they'll do. I mean, really, the, the big key is, is injuries. Like, we're projecting regression because we're expecting the injury right. regression to right. happen. If for some reason they get two year, straight years of good injury luck on defense, I don't see much of regression, honestly. I mean... Yeah, I agree. I, I think they'll be better. If yeah. if they're as healthy as they were last year, I do think they'll be better. And, you know, Where just would you place them? Things, we, I, I don't want to say they'll be the best in the league, but they really could be. I mean, what's holding them back from being that if they are healthy, you know? I mean, we predicted Safeties, that they'll get more sacks. Maybe, but yeah, safety. Sure. But, but, I mean, they're great corners. So. Best defense is like, they're not, you know, they're not perfect. Like, just because you're the best doesn't mean you're perfect, so... Uh, I think even with that, they could be the best because the main thing last year that held them back from being the best was turnovers. And this year we're assuming that could turn around because of just, first of all, simply better luck because the fumbles last year were ridiculous. But uh, then you throw in the pass rush improvement we're projecting and the better support they'll get from the offense. So there are a lot of reasons to think that and just all the young players they have who could take steps. 
so I definitely think that it could be the best if everyone is healthy, but I'm just not going to assume that th- that's going to happen. I'm going to be fair and say they're going to have to deal with more injuries than last year. So that's why I'm predicting yeah. regression. And if, if that is the health case, being equal, they could be better. Yeah. And if that is the case, you can, you can maybe remove some of the sacks and interceptions we predicted. I think the other yeah. thing too, is this defense uh, is built to win situationally. I mean, how many times the jets were top three in red zone scoring percentage last year. They're only one of four teams that allowed less than 50% of the time allowing a touchdown. So this is a team that does well in condensed spaces. They did well in third down last year as well. I think they were, what were they last year in third? Well, they were 10th. They were 10th in third down. Uh, yeah. 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 So how do you kind of see third down and red zone uh, changing this year? I, I guess, you know, you can give your realistic prediction, but also assuming there's no major injuries, I don't really see any reason why they, they should regress on, on third down or in the red zone. In fact, they should get up better in those areas because they have the pass rush. They have even more pass rushers, a healthier Carl Lawson, you know, a, a year of uh, progression from hopefully from uh, J.J. Clemens and Huff and a rookie and Will McDonald. So, you know, that third down rate might go even higher. Uh, how do you feel about this defense situationally? Yeah, I would say third down and red zone are like the swing factors for this defense in the sense that, I think if injuries, you know, they have a lot of injuries and they regress overall, like I'm predicting, I think these are the two categories where you're going to see the biggest drop off. And that will be the reason that they drop a little bit. And then I think on the other side of things, if they stay healthy and they get even better, it'll be becoming even more dominant in these two areas where you see it, because I think the sacks are going to go up regardless. Um, Obviously, you know, if, all the best players get injured. It won't, but even with a few injuries here and there, I feel good about the sacks going up just because of how deep they are, the better situations they'll be in because of the offense. Uh, those two factors, I think they're going to have more sacks. The turnovers should naturally get better just because of luck. Um, so those two categories, I think we are going to see improvement um, barring significant, you know, severe injuries, but it's the third down the red zone can they maintain that? That's going to determine, do you stay the same? Do you get better? Do you get worse? And if they have injuries, you know, red zone could get tough. Can you defend the goal line as strong as they did last year? If you don't have Quentin Williams, can you defend short yardage without him? Or, you know, you lose your best corners. Can you be as good as you were in third down last year? Uh, so third down and red zone is what I think is going to hinge the most yeah. on the health of the team. And it's going to determine how how they move compared to last year because like you said that's how they won last year situational football on defense because they did not take the ball away we know that they were i mean they were 29th in takeaways last year to be the fourth best defense in a pretty much every category with the fourth fewest takeaways it's just a testament to your situational football to hold up in the red zone get off the field on third down that's what they did great so that's what will determine how good they are this year is can they maintain what they did in those categories? Yeah, I think third down is the one that will get swung a lot by injuries. But red zone, I am pretty confident that they'll always be at least competent in that area. I mean, even in 2021 when they were the worst defense in the league, they were still, I think, 19th, yeah, 19th in red zone, which you know isn't amazing. But when you're the worst defense in the league, that's you know a notable uh, increase. And I just think that the way that they call – games they play a bend but don't break style of defense where they'll allow some yards you know they'll allow those draw plays those screens but when the field gets condensed they do a pretty good job of not allowing the touchdown um i guess the one other swing factor and then i guess we we can get out of here 
you know, I feel very confident about the Jets' abilities to Jets' ability to lock down top flight receivers. Now, again, we'll see if if they face a major injury in the secondary. You know, it's not like they have great safeties. It's like if Sauce were to go down, you have Eccles. I think Eccles is probably the first one in. Then probably Hall, assuming he makes a team. Uh, Gidry probably in the slot. They also have uh, Bernard Converse. We'll see if he's playing corner safety. I don't think we've really gotten any clarity on that or how confident they are in him playing. But um, cornerback depth is, you know, maybe spotty. I feel pretty good about Eccles, especially after watching that, that big six video. Um, <laughs> but the their ability to cover tight ends and running backs will really be tested, especially with Clark out, because that was I – th- I think that's the biggest thing that they lose – is because I was really excited about seeing Clark match up 1v1 on, on tight ends. You know, the, the premier tight ends, like, for instance, when the Jets play Kansas City and they have to go up against Kelsey, I think you're going to see a lot of sauce on Kelsey that night. But, you know, in other games when they're playing the Giants and they have Darren Waller or, you know, uh, Eagles with Goddard, you know, maybe, maybe they put sauce on Goddard because he's pretty good. But, like, who else do they play? They play Kyle Pitts. They play Schultz with the Texans, the Joku. You know, th- those type of tight ends. You know, the Bills have Dawson Knox and just drafted Kincaid. I think their ability to cover tight ends uh, could be a weakness on this team. Um, the premier ones, they can move Sauce yeah. on, but the the middle of the pack guys where it's like, okay, but we want Sauce and Reed on the receivers. I think that's where they could really uh, get, you know, get hurt. Unless a guy like Tony Adams really, you know, proves his, his man coverage chops and, and is better than we're expecting him to be. But it's like, I don't love Whitehead or Amos matching up 1v1 against uh, a tight end. And it's like the same thing with running right. backs. It's I, I feel pretty good about Quincy actually lining up with running backs. Um, but we haven't seen Sherwood really that much. And Mosley is pretty slow. And also, we you know, we saw Mosley get burned by a fullback for a 50-yard touchdown against the Lions. So he didn't get really burned as much as he, you know, let him sneak past him. But, you know, I feel good about Quincy covering the running backs, but that's about it in terms of covering running backs and tight ends, especially with Clark's injury. So that, that is something I, I think in terms of a weakness for this unit, I could see pop up. I, I agree on that because I just pulled it up while you're talking, but last year they gave up the sixth most receiving yards to tight ends and the fifth most reception. So it was already something that was nagging them last there's, there's year. There's an X article for Jets X factor. <clears throat> There you go. I'm very much scavenging for ideas at this point here in mid-June. I need OTAs training camp to get here already because OTAs is already over. That really breezed by. Um, They didn't do the mini camp. They cut you short a week. They didn't do the mini camp. That definitely shortened it a little bit. But we do get an early start in camp this year, so we can be thankful for that. But, uh, But, yeah, tight ends last year were already kind of an issue, and there's not really any reason to believe it'll be better. Clark was a reason to believe that it could have been, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's still probably going to be the Achilles heel because it's like, you know, you look at the receivers, jets are really good at stopping receivers last year. I'm pulling that up right now, but, uh, but their cornerback trio, they gave up the fewest receiving yards in the league to receivers last year. And that was by over a hundred yards compared to the next best team. So they're so good at stopping receivers that teams are going to funnel some targets to tight ends target the weaknesses in the defense which is the safeties is the linebackers in coverage a little bit so that is definitely something i would be concerned about in terms of what the primary weakness might be in the passing game and it's like the elite guys they'll put sauce on but it's like when your tight end is the third option in your offense um that's when i think it could really hurt you want to hear a creative solution 
that may or may not work, but at least I was just thinking about what we were sitting here because I, I did text you a few weeks ago and I was like, let's hear it. Jeff Ulbrich might be listening yeah, okay, to Jeff, this podcast. Jeff, take some notes here. Um, I texted you a few weeks ago and I said, you know, I, I think there's, there's a, someone in the Jets building listened because they pulled our probably somebody in the media department, but yes. Um, I said, you know, I, I do think there's a chance that the Jets could cut Bryce Hall, but if they are going to find a role for him, or I guess this could apply to uh, uh, Bernard Converse as well, those, but more so Hall, because I think w- what did we see from Hall in 2020 that, that made us high on him was his ability to kind of match up with those bigger physical receivers. Clearly Hall is a slower corner, but it's like if you're faced with that matchup in the playoffs against, you know, I don't know, Evan Ingram, I don't know, David Njoku, somebody like that where it's like you're not going to want to move Sauce inside to cover him, but you still are getting burned by this tight end. You could take one of your bigger DBs and put him out there to go cover the tight end if, if you're just finding Amos and Whitehead and, um, you know, Adams are getting exploited because it's like these tight ends are either too big for them or too fast for them. I think Hall is kind of a, an interesting player to match up with tight ends because he has the size – and he would be fast enough to cover a tight end and not get burned over the top. What do you think about that idea? It's some, it's something like it. to right, keep fine, in mind. I, no, I'm, I'm, no, let me let but me our covers? explain because I know because I use that tone immediately. It sounds like I don't like it, but it just means I'm sort organizing my thoughts. I think it is a potential way for Hall to make a case for the roster. That's what I'd say because. At corner, I mean, you're looking at it honestly right now. I don't think Hall is a guarantee to no, make the roster not. as a corner because Eccles is probably going to make it. Hardy's going to make it. And is Hardy really a corner? Like you said, uh, he's not a corner, but I guess he's listed as one. But, you know, Bernard Converse, like you said, we don't know yet what if he's actually playing safety. So you assume he's a corner right now. And you have Javelin Guidry. So who, who's also not a lock, but I would say he's – has a good shot. I feel so good he, about him you know, coming in if, Hall, if MC2 were to go down. So I'd keep Yeah, it. like if you need a backup nickel, that's something that Hall definitely can't do, and Eccles probably could do, but Gidry is more experienced. So bottom line, he's not a guarantee to make it as a corner, just as things stand. So if he were to prove that type of ability is like a matchup kind of player, then there could be something there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's that's what I would say. It's a way – for maybe the coaches want to try something out. We have this long guy who, you know, started in 2021 and had a ton of pass deflections. Maybe there's still something there that isn't quite like a traditional corner, but maybe a matchup type of piece. So it's not it's not the worst. Idea. Although now that I'm saying, did he get burned by Andrews in, in week one? He got burned by somebody. Was it Andrews? I know. No, it, it wasn't okay, Andrews. It was the, uh, I forget which one, but it was like, it was a receiver. I think it was Duvernay. Yeah. Okay. So like you can't play Madden with, with these guys and be like, all right. It was tightly covered yeah. though. I'll give him that. Well, that's, that's his thing is it's just, he's, but his, his athletic ceiling is just pretty low. He's always an inch away. We should have known when I remember all of, was it 22 training camp? Like there would be all these clips of like, wow, Hall's always like an inch away, such tight coverage yeah. that it should have been like, well, he's, just always, always a step behind, yeah. But against a tight end, it's like, look, I, I don't think Hall can be a, a straight-up safety, but like you said, can he be a matchup player to right, cover tight yeah. ends when you don't want to move sauce inside? I don't know. I just That's the only thing I could think of now that you're losing Chuck Clark's man coverage ability on tight ends. Um, but again, maybe a guy like Bernard Converse can do it. Maybe Tony Adams can do it. Or maybe Amos or, or Whitehead can be competent enough to, to do it. I mean, the Jets – the Jets did go man on third down a little bit more than I think I, I thought they would have. But when you have the talent that they have at corner, it kind of makes sense. 
Um, but it's just like, who's the guy you're going to match up with on, on these mid-tier tight ends? But we shall see. I think we covered everything. Uh, I guess, I, yeah, I think we covered everything. Look at the notes here. I don't think we didn't turn over any stones. But we do have a, another interview coming out this week. I know we, we had promised one. We had teased it with, uh, what was the what was the tease again? It was like the square root of of a player who was. Yeah, we can put it out there again. Okay. because I that, like in, I, would... that interview is coming out Wednesday. So it hasn't, you yeah. know, you can check out our, we had an interview with Morstead and uh, Trey Dean, the undrafted free agent safety. We recorded the interview with Dean uh, after they had signed Amos, but before it had come out that Clark had gotten injured. So we didn't really ask him specifically about, you know, his chances of making the team now that hey, the hole just opened up. But um, that's an interesting one to go listen to, especially since, you know, the Jets are going to be looking for safeties. Um, and Morstead was great as always. Took us through his onside kick in the Super Bowl and talked about the vibes at OTAs. We were asking him about, you know, the, the food at the what Jets facility. Yeah, it was fun. It was. <laughs> I, I enjoyed jersey. that interview. I'm really excited about this interview uh, on Wednesday. Not maybe not the like, you know, it's not a, some superstar player, but somebody who I think can give some really interesting insight. And it could be based on the hint that we're giving out. It, it, yeah, could be a superstar player. <laughs> it's, it's not, but yes, he is a good player. He's a player you should know, but you know. I'm very excited about this. What was the exact clue you gave? So the clue was you start by looking at the six foot six players on the Jets roster. <laughs> and one of those six foot players, the square root of his jersey number is the jersey number of this player. Okay. So going by that, there is a superstar player in that mix. <laughs> Don't rule him out. That's all I'm you saying. You can pretty safely rule him out at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, we're we're – you know, uh, planning plenty of interviews for this you know period in between minicamp and and uh, a training camp, and then we have a few other podcasts that we you know have either said we wanted to do or and haven't done yet, or that we have in the Google Doc to make. So we're manufacturing content here, and then before you know it, it'll be training camp. I mean, it's June eighteenth when we're recording this. Do we know when they're going to report? But it 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 can't be. It's got to be like end of July, right? So maybe five weeks from now, four weeks from now. I'm going to try to look it up while you're talking. I don't think they've announced it yet. I don't think they've announced it yet, but normally they report like the last few days of July, but they're reporting a little bit earlier this year. So maybe like July 23rd, something, July 25th. Yeah, I'm not sure. Probably five weeks away, I'd say. Yeah. Maybe four. Who knows? Not too far, though. Not too far. Uh, Before you know it, it'll be here. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, You can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter, Michael at Michael underscore Nadia, myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. You can uh, subscribe to the YouTube as well. We post all the pods there as well as all the other Jets X Factor pods. If you can, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. And I think that's it. Michael, last thoughts. Uh, I changed my Twitter banner recently. Oh, God. I don't oh, know no. if you saw oh, it. God. Do you like it? Oh, no. Hold on. Let me look at it. Because you seem to be pr- quite critical of all my right. Twitter banners. But it was like Zelda. I think this is a solid one. Oh, that's great. That's a see. That's a great Jets related. You had Zelda. You had Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, you had Spider Man. Great. One. I mean, don't let me bully you, but like you know, I think the. Uh, why am I spacing on this guy's name? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It's the. It's. I don't think I even know. No, I know it. I know. I just I know up Jets guy laying in the end. It's twenty fourteen. Is it Graham? Is like TJ Graham or something? That was that his name. That might be it. Let me look up TJ Graham. I, I, I almost said Kembrell Tompkins, but it's not. It's not Santonio. San I think it's TJ Graham. This Look at that. Pull that out of that. Yeah, it was TJ Graham. Nice. I seriously didn't even know. I looked up Jets guy laying in the end zone. Just a complete random Jets player that, you know, my, I'm curious the percentage of my brain that's just occupied by just useless Jets knowledge. Could have been reading books. Much, 
Way too high. Could have books in there. Could have like quantum physics. Well, then I'll listen back to this podcast and I'll like have a number of malapropisms where I like mess up a word but get it close enough. Like I said uh, recently, I said Michael Clemens lampooned somebody, but that does not mean that has nothing to do with hitting somebody. It's like more of like you know, like in the media or the news, like you criticize somebody. But I, I mean, you can get what I meant from it. I guess I'm trying to think of what I meant. What's harpoon and torpedo? I just kind of, I don't know. Whatever. Let's but we could be changing the world with all the space <laughs> in our brains used for Jets knowledge. But instead, <laughs> I'm telling you about where they ranked in red zone defense <laughs> last year. I mean, if you're not going to do it this offseason, when are you? You know, I mean, it was useless maybe when it was like entering 2020 with Adam Gase and a Frank Gores are starting running back. But like, this is the summit to really geek out on the Jets and really get optimistic about it. Because God knows how the season's going to go. I'm optimistic, but all it takes is one devastating injury for it to be same old Jets again. So it's like, let me enjoy these few months where it's like the Jets are on top. The Jets are the team in New York. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback and this young, exciting team with management and coaching I believe in. Like, This is the time to soak it all in and then wait for them to break our hearts in the fall. But just soak in these next three months, all right? I agree. Yeah, we should be having more fun right I'm now because you, you don't know how the season's going to go. Just, right now, it, it's very cool. So just enjoy. I'm not looking forward to the text I'll get from you from like the first touchdown the Jets allow this year. <laughs> oh, it's going to be bad this I year. have to just mute you. I'm bad. straight up going to mute and block you on every platform and then unmute you after the game for the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we're at that Bills game, though. So. Yeah, I think I'll go to the Bills game. I'm thinking oh, about. I could tell you. I could tell you in person. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I was trying to. You have the recording, and maybe you should release the recording and be trying to. I got mad at you at the Dolphins game because you just were being so <laughs> negative, and I was like, "Stop it!" And then Sauce got the pick, and then we were, you know, jumping up and down. <laughs> Any other game? What games are you trying to go out to this year? Definitely Bills. Uh, well, I'm going to the Vegas game. That's confirmed. You are going to the Vegas Gotten game. tickets and hotel and everything. Oh, shit. I don't think you told me that. All so, right, I'll be at the Vegas game too, I think. I don't have any specific ones in mind. Just got to play by ear, see how it goes. But there, there are a lot of intriguing games on the schedule. But what comes with that is that they're a lot more expensive. Yeah. So I think I, think I want to go Bill's game. I'm, I'm trying to convince my dad to we should go out to the, the Cowboys game week two. I feel like I've never been to Jerry's World. It's like that's it's a good time to go see him play. But I imagine they're in 2015. It's a very cool stadium. Imagine the tickets are probably crazy for that game, but we'll see. All right, thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back on Wednesday with an interview of a player whose number is the square root of another player whose jersey number. Wait, who's over six five? Six, six. Who is six foot six okay. exactly? Who's six foot six exactly? His jersey number's square root is the jersey number of this player that we're interviewing on Wednesday. Have a great week. Go Jets.